I believe that for us to walk in the power and the anointing that God has for us, we have to truly understand what real followers do, okay? And um, I've got a message today that's talking about real followers will follow the power, okay? So where is, where's Mike at? Mike? There's Mike. Mike, I'm using you as an example today. Come on up here, Mike. You get to be opposite the lamp, so you are right here, buddy, okay? Everybody, this is Mike. This is like an AA meeting, isn't it? Hi, Mike. No. Okay. Now, Mike, what I'd like for you to do is, I know this isn't your size, but could you put on this, this Christian t-shirt for me, would you? Well, I know, but would you mind? Just, is that a Christian t-shirt you got on right now? Yeah. Okay, then never mind. We'll just, okay. Anybody want a... Uh, a There we go. There we go. See? See how big God is? We serve a big God. He wears big shirts. I just want you to know that. All right, now you got your Bible? Okay. Now, I'm going to give you a little quiz here. Does anybody know what this thing is called? A lamp. Okay. Why is it, why is it called a lamp? This isn't a trick question. It holds lights. It holds lights. So if it holds lights, we call it a lamp, even though it's not turned on. Okay. Now we have a, we have a, we have a gentleman standing here. He's got his Bible. He's got his two Christian T-shirts on. Two. Okay. All right. And 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 sometimes when we see somebody wearing a, a Christian T-shirt and carrying their Bible, what would we call this individual? A, a Christian. Okay. Now, that's all, but we're making that assessment just from an external assumption, just from the external, right? Because he is wearing a, a Christian t-shirt, he's got his Bible, he's got his smile right there, right? Yeah. So if you saw him in the mall walking towards you, you would assume that he is a Christian. Just like we would almost assume that this is a lamp. Now, the interesting thing was, I was raised in the, in the 60s and 70s, I was born in the 60s, but I was raised in the 70s and went to camp in the 70s. And there was an analogy at camp that, that just was so awesome. And it was talking about how um, we as believers um, need to get plugged in because we can look like a Christian, but unless we truly plug into the power of God, okay, we are just like this. We look like a lamp, but we're not doing any good. Do you all understand this? You see, we all call this a lamp. We know there's bulbs. We know that we have electricity. But if all the lights went out, this would do us no good. Correct? Just like we can go through and we can put on all the Christianese and we can carry our Bible around and we can point a finger, but if people aren't really seeing the power of God... Don't worry, I'm not going to plug you in. If they don't see the power of God then we're kind of just like the figure of something. Okay? Now you can be seated. Thank you. Everybody give Mike a hand. You can keep the shirt, yeah. How's that? But you know, it's been something that's very interesting that, that since I, I became a, a pastor of the church, and it's four years ago last week, um, I, I've learned something a little different. Now, back in the 70s, the message was very simple in that if we're Christians and we plug into the power of the Holy Spirit, something changes into our life, correct? 
So during youth camp, this was great during youth camp, they, they plugged in the lamp, okay, and the light came on. And we were like, oh, wow, that was phenomenal. But you'll notice that the light didn't come on here when I plugged this in. Now, wait a second. I'm a born-again Christian. I'm plugging into the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm praying. I'm worshiping. What's not happening? You see, I have learned that when God gave us free will... It allows us to choose to turn on and off the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So when we choose that we really don't need to pray, okay? Praying is just something that got me. I just wanted to know Christ so I didn't go to hell. That's all. I just bought life insurance. It's eternal life insurance. I still want to live my own life. But when I decide that I don't want to pray, I've basically turned off this light. You see, but when I but when I'm going through difficult situations, when the when the stock market loses 500 points in one day, all of a sudden, oh God, please turn this around. Or when my spouse says I don't love you anymore, all of a sudden now we decide we're going to start praying. Or when our our children start making bad decisions, all of a sudden then we decide that we want to turn on the power of prayer. And because we have free will, we can start turning on the power of prayer. But see, it was free will that allowed you because everybody thought that, man, once you plugged it, how many of y'all thought that all the lights were going to come on just the moment I plugged it in, right? I mean, come on, back in your mind, you thought, yeah, one. Okay, but one person thought that when I, two, it's growing, um, as honesty sways the crowd, uh, everybody thought all the lights were going to come on. So all of a sudden, we've, we've got the prayer and, and, and we're starting to see, wow, we're, we're, we're looking a little more like a lamp now, okay? And then all of a sudden, we start... Seeking God in our prayer time, and we're not, our prayers have turned more from the emergency prayers more to the proactive prayers. Okay? Because a lot of times all we have is emergency prayers. Sometimes the only times people pray is, Lord, when you're at the parks mall, would you help me find a parking space, God? Please help me find a parking space. Please, God. If there's a God in heaven, let there be a parking space. It's still prayer, but it's very limited, okay? So then all of a sudden, our coworker starts going through a situation at work, and you really are seeing a train crash about to happen in their life. And they make a statement to you, and they'll say, Bill, how come you're always happy and you always have peace when everything else... Did you hear that half the company is going to get pink slips? And yet, you're still smiling. Why is it that you can go through a situation like this And you're not all scared like everyone else. Didn't you know what's happening? And Bill decides, I'm going to tell him about my relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell him that man is not my source. God is my source. He is my strength and He is my peace. So all of a sudden, Bill starts becoming a witness at his workplace because they're noticing now more light is coming from Bill in a very dark world. Okay? So then all of a sudden, he's like, you know, this, this prayer thing's really working, and, and I, 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 I got to share my faith with someone that truly knows me at work and has been a relational evangelist, and they know that I, I, I serve God, I love God, I trust God in all that I'm doing. And then the, the third part that, that starts coming in is all of a sudden, um, somebody is coming up to Bill and saying, Bill, would you, would you pray with me? I, I need healing in my body. And Bill's like, and I'm not going to pick on Bill the whole time, but 
well, what if I pray and nothing happens? Right? Have you ever had that when somebody says, hey, would you pray with me? And you think, well, what if I pray and nothing happens? And my response to you is always, well, what if you pray and something does happen? All of a sudden you start walking in some of your gifts and callings. Or maybe um, you start sharing your musical gift in worship time or singing or you start teaching a class or, or God is just starting to reel and, and all of a sudden the gifts that God has given you starts lighting up the world. Amen. Now, this was a lamp before, but now it is an effective lamp. Do you see this? We can walk around with all the Christian t-shirts that we want. We can read all the self-help books that we want to read. But it is not going to turn our little light bulbs on until we start submitting to the Holy Spirit. We get plugged into the Holy Spirit and we start walking in the gifts and callings that the Holy Spirit empowers us for. Right? This isn't rocket science. This is very, well actually it's more electrical, but electrical engineering. But it's very simple. You see, what happens is this. I could have, while the lamp was turned off, I could have given this lamp some self-help books. How to empower the blessing in your life. How to change your world with three easy words. Oh, these are great books that are out there. But the thing of it is, is all I could do, I can motivate this light. Come on, light. You're a light. Light. Now. Come on, light. And that's what we're doing to some even people in the body of Christ. They're not even plugged in. And we're saying, read this book and you'll become a powerful Christian. What the body of Christ needs is to plug into the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? And that's what we're talking about today is that the body, real followers, are going to follow the power. Would you join with me in prayer, please, as we begin the service? Father, we thank you for your presence here today. And we invite you, Holy Spirit, to move in our midst. We pray, Father, that you would move in our hearts and our minds. And Lord, we also lift up all of those that are in San Antonio right now in the training for missions, Lord. We lift them up and we, we, we just share, Father, right now our hearts and our prayers for them and bring them home safely. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be looking at several passages today. But the first that I want to start off with is Acts 1.8. And it's a very well-known scripture. But it says... But you will receive power, power, and it was real interesting because last night I was studying, and Dino, you were so right on, you, you said today, dunamis, power. And if you look at the word, the Greek word for this passage, it's dunamis, which is dynamite, okay? And I'm not talking the old JJ, you know, no, it's from the 70s, but dynamite, okay? Now, when you start dealing with dynamite, that is a scary word to me, okay? When I was a kid, man, I, 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 the most powerful firecracker I lived, they were M80s. Do you remember M80s? They were regular firecrackers. They were M80s. This is a little bit more powerful. Even as a brave teenager, I was a little scared with these things. You know what I mean? Because now we're getting into a little more heavier firepower. And we all saw the videos in school where the kids were like, don't play with firecrackers. You know, and he's missing fingers and all this. And I was like... <laughs> So whenever I would light an M80, I knew that I was dealing with a little bit of something. But no one handed me as a kid a stick of dynamite and says, Mark, why don't we have a great 4th of July? Because you know what? A stick of dynamite was a little bit more powerful than I was wanting to deal with. Do you understand? So as we're looking at the scriptures here, and it says, um, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Power right there, if you look it up, is dunamis, which is the same as dynamite. Then you will be my witnesses. 
to testify, me, to testify about me in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and into the ends of the world. See, basically what he was saying is, this is not just for the Jews. This is for everybody that I want you to encounter. So Jesus said that those that receive the Holy Spirit will receive power. Amen. Power for living, power to witness, power to pray, power to perform miracles, and what amounts is to be power to be like Jesus in this world. Power to be like Jesus in this world. See, power to live and do the things that Jesus did. Amen. John fourteen twelve tells us this. Truly, truly, I say unto you. Do you remember a couple weeks ago, I'm going to keep bringing this up, we talked about honesty. And it was any time that Christ was about to share something. He had listened to them, he had loved, he had had compassion on them. And when he was about to say this, it was the time that he was about to say, listen up. Here's some truth coming at you. This is very powerful. So it says, truly, truly, I say unto you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. Okay, let's stop right there. Can you name some things that Christ did in his ministry? Just anything. What's the first thing pops? He healed. Okay, what else did he do? He set captives free. He set captives free. Deliverance. What else? Have you all read your Bible? If not, we've got Bible promise books in the back there. He called disciples. Did he raise the dead? Okay. He walked on water. Very good, Joe. He spoke the truth. What else did he do? Yeah. He also, did you notice that he, he multiplied food? Now, have you ever really thought about that, that Christ multiplied food? I know that I've wanted, Lord, bless and multiply this food. Have you ever been to some of those really nice restaurants where you're paying a lot of money and they bring out this much food on your plate? <laughs> we pray a little longer over that one. It's like, Lord, expand this food. Lord, expand this food. Okay. He turned wine into water. And as I joked, it's been it so drought. The Catholics are now praying that we turn them back into water, okay? But there are so many miracles. Now, this scripture is saying that greater things. It's not saying that we'll be greater than Christ, but the things that he did, we can even do and more. Do you understand? Now, are you seeing these miracles in the body of Christ today? There's healings taking place. Haven't really heard of many people being raised from the dead. Okay? A lot of times, and it's not happening here in the U.S., Okay? We've been reading too many of those self-help books. Okay? Sometimes you can get a little too educated. Yes. There's a scripture for that. I'll give you a scripture on that one. I got you on that one. So, so it says, how can we do the miracles Jesus did and with the help of the same Holy Spirit that Jesus performed them? I want to look at some of the power messages that we're going to be looking at today. Power to live for Jesus Christ. Power to live for Jesus. Real followers are going to follow the power to live for Jesus Christ. So many people struggle in their Christian walk. What they want is they want to walk consistently with Christ. I think overall, if you ask most people, if they're a born-again Christian, and they say yes, are you walking the walk that you really feel exemplifies the body of Christ? Most people would say not. Okay? But they want to. So many people that, that struggle with addictions are people that are constantly going back and forth and they just feel like life is a struggle. They want to live a consistent life. They want to have godly character. 
And it reminds me of a passage in Romans 7, and I'm going to kind of take you through several scriptures in Romans. If you have your Bibles, turn to chapter 7. In verse 15, this is what Paul is saying. He says, I don't realize what I'm doing, and I don't do what I want to do. Instead, I do what I hate. How many of you all have been that way? You, you know, you have, man, you come to service and worship time is great. And that afternoon, you're doing something that you know is not exemplifying Christ. It may be in the privacy of your own home. It may be in an argument that you're having with somebody that you know you're not exemplifying Christ. It could happen in the parking lot. We've all been there. We've all done that. And all of a sudden, it's like, Lord, where was that power and that presence that I was just experiencing? Here I'm honking at an old person that's not deciding to pull out onto Park Row. And I think Pastor just saw me. You know, all of a sudden now more guilt comes on. We're, and we've all been there, okay? And so all of a sudden then we start beating ourselves up. How is it that we can, we can worship in there and we can just love God and then all of a sudden we do this at school or we do this at work or we do this at home or, or I send an email that I know is hateful. And I know that when it's read it's going to cause more and there's going to be a retaliation and then I've got to retaliate to that because I can't let them have the last word. Wow. This is what Paul was saying about the things that he hated he was doing, but he knew that there, he knew that he shouldn't be doing it. Verse 18 in that same passage of Romans 7 says this, I know that nothing good lives in me. That is, nothing good lives in my corrupt nature. Although I have the desire to do what is right, I don't do it. Verse 19, I don't do the good that I want to do. Instead, I do the evil that I don't want to do. Verse 22, I take pleasure in God's standards in my inner being. I take pleasure in God's standards in my inner being. However, I see a different standard at work throughout my body. It is at war with the standards my mind sets and tries to take me captive to sin's standards which still exist throughout my body. Slavery. He's saying, There's, I'm almost like a slave to sin, but Christ liberated from me. But I'm going to tell you that when you are walking away from Christ, you are a captive to sin. Okay? There's just no, oh, they're just a really good person. I'll tell you what, the only good in me is Christ. Okay? Because you can take a two-year-old and you take a toy away from them, you'll see real nature. We don't have to teach children how to be corrupt. Or lie. Did you do it? No, not me. And where'd they get that from? They're two. Yeah, fear. Yeah, but they're lying. They're lying through their teeth, you know. And I love, I love watching America's Funniest Home Videos, you know. I don't know why. Just, I love that. It's just stress-free. And there's chocolate pudding all over the kid's face. Did you eat the chocolate pudding? No. There is a corrupt nature inside of us. And if we are... are captive to sin, it will dominate your life. Something that starts off not very harmful, but a little pleasurable, will start to dominate your time, will dominate your life, will never satisfy you, will never let you off the hook. Do you understand that? If you've ever been addicted to something, and it doesn't have to be addiction to something powerful, it could be addiction to caffeine. Man, I mean, oh, Pastor Mark, let's don't get caffeine, because man, we love coffee, and we love tea, and we don't talk about caffeine. Red Bull, Red Bull, Red Bull, Red Bull. Don't go there, Pastor. Let's talk about those heroin people out there, but let's don't talk about little addictions that I have. Wow. 
Verse 24, what a miserable first, what a miserable person I am. Who will rescue you, rescue me from my dying body? Verse 25, though, I love is the turnaround. I thank God that our Lord Jesus rescues me. So I am obedient to God's standards with my mind, but I am obedient to sin standards with my corrupt nature. What he's saying is it is a battle, but I have the power to live a godly life. You need the power to be plugged in. If you are just a lamp and you are not plugged in, you are a target. And Satan will have his field day with you all the time. Do you understand that? If there are areas of weakness, that is where you're going to be attacked. There are times when my body is sick and I will say, I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. Now, I'm not lying. I'm not saying, I don't feel any pain. I don't have 104 temperature. I do have a... Not today. But I may have that temperature. But I stand on the Scriptures that I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. Because the moment that the enemy sees a weakness in my character, that's where I'm going to be attacked. If the moment that I have a... You know, I'm a little warm. I'm I'm not going to preach today. I'm going to sit down. You will never have me in the pulpit again. Because what's going to happen every Saturday night? I'm going to get a temperature. I can't preach with a temperature. See, I just limited God. I just turned off one of the lights on my lamp right there. I said, well, you know, if that's going to happen, then I just can't do this. Boom. We just limited the power. Remember free will, what I was telling you about? Free will is very powerful. Free will can limit you even as a Christian. Because you can choose not to push through a situation. The moment you get one criticism email, you decide that you're no longer going to share your faith. You just turned off a light. See, we are the light of the world. And we are going to be attacked because we are lights of the world. But anything that we allow Satan to have, that attack to be successful, is where you will be attacked. That's why the Word of God says, resist the, resist the enemy and he will flee. So if there are attacks coming on your body, stand up and start speaking scriptures over. If the financial world will cripple you, if that is your God, your idol, okay, then all of a sudden you say, God is my source and my strength. I don't care what happens on Wall Street. I don't care what's happening in my 401k. I don't care what's happening about the economy. God is my source and my strength. He will never leave me nor forsake me. You see, all of a sudden what we just did is we spit in the devil's face. Because what he was trying to do is he's trying to bring fear. He was trying to bring sickness. He was trying to bring confusion. Anytime confusion starts coming into your home, and it will come into your home, okay, you may be holier than thou, but it's going to come into your home, and that confusion is going to start to manifest. When you start allowing it, you've just allowed more attacks to come in. And this is what I'll say. God has not given me a spirit of fear. God is not a God of confusion. I have the mind of Christ. I am going to stay and I am going to seek God on this situation. But you will have confusion. You will have no victory in this house. I bind you, I bind you Satan. I bind you confusion right now in the name of Jesus. See, that's how you do spiritual warfare when you are plugged in and all your little lights are on. But the moment you start saying, oh, pastor, I, man, that binding stuff, I don't know. Click, you just turned the light off. Anything that I'm doing or saying today that's a little more radical than you are, you just turn that light off. So you can be a great looking light and have no light emanating from you at all. So it's important that we understand. I'm thankful that Paul did not stop at verse 24 because he says, 
in verse 25, Thank God my Lord Jesus Christ rescues me. In another place, the Holy Spirit talks about a power to set us apart. Sanctification is not a word that we hear a lot in the body of Christ today. There's very few words about it. Sanctification means to be set apart. And we're like, but, but the word says we're supposed to be of this world, or we're in this world, and don't separate yourselves. That's the body of Christ is, a lot of us don't even know anyone that's not a Christian. I'm not saying that you separate yourself out. I'm saying that you set yourself apart. Just because everybody's doing it doesn't mean you have to do it. Just because somebody on Facebook says, try this and you will feel great, doesn't mean that you have to try it. You see, if you're searching for other things, that means one of your lights are turned off. Because that's what we normally turn to, is to fill a substance. Do you understand? If you are not feeling loved, you're going to pursue anyone who gives you attention. If you are feeling depressed, instead of going to the Word of God, you may be going to Jack Daniels. It may not even be Jack Daniels. It may be just some beers, just to take the edge off, Pastor. I'm going to ask you, what edge do you have? And how much time are you spending in the Word? How much time are you praying? You see, anytime there's a void in our life, we can go to the world and try to find something that will pacify that. Okay, when when you're not getting uh, the love and affection from your spouse or your boyfriend, girlfriend, all of a sudden we start texting other people wrong. You see, because what we're trying to do is constantly fill voids in our lives. And see, this is what Ephesians 5.18 says. It says, don't be drunk with wine. Now, let's just stop right there. Is there anything wrong with drinking wine? No. Do I drink wine? No. Will you find wine in my home? No. Why? Because, and I've had this conversation with my kids, because if I'm helping someone break an addiction of alcoholism and they're coming into my home, they're not going to see the same addiction that they are trying to get over in their home. Right? That's like me showing up in an AA meeting with a, a, a keg. Right? Now think about it. Would you take a keg to an AA meeting? Why? Well, they did drink, because that's why they're there. But why would we take that to an AA meeting? So, and, and see, anything that can lead me into addiction, I, I really need to stay away from. That's why I never really started watching Oprah, because I didn't want to get addicted to it, but never mind. So it says, don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Ruin your life. What it's saying is getting addicted to things of this world. This is really what it's breaking down to. Anything that you're searching from this world to bring you happiness is going to disappoint you and ruin your life. Whether we're talking about wine, heroin, crack, cocaine, Starbucks, double shot, express, whatever it is, is going to ruin your life. Because we're not going to God first. We're not plugging into the power and we're not turning all the lights on that He wants to have on in our life. We can be walking around with the t-shirt, we can be walking around with the Bible, and we can be in darkness. Think about that. Ephesians 5.18, don't be drunk with wine, but because that will ruin your life. Instead, okay, so here's your option. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. You notice it didn't say, instead, go to church on Sunday morning. Did it? Buy a Christian bumper sticker. That's going to make you happy. No, it won't. Do you see what it's talking? Everything in the Scriptures is taking you to being filled with the Holy Spirit. 
I'm going to tell you that you can make it to heaven without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But I'm going to tell you, you're not going to make it on this earth walking daily without it. Do you understand? You can go to heaven without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You really need it though. Especially in today. We are bombarded by more forces and factors than you even realize. It would scare you how many ads actually hit you every day. You, oh, I don't watch that much TV. I don't listen to that much radio. I don't really read magazines. I live in my closet. You know, I have my food shoved under the door. Then yes, you probably are not being bombarded. But for the 99.9% of you that are out in this world, you are constantly being bombarded by the ways of this world. Right? So what happens is when our teenage girls see size negative one models, okay, they're like, I got to be that way. And when our guys, our, our young men see this is their role model, oh, I got to be that way. Abercrombie and Finch is not the model, okay, that we want to follow. Do you understand? Their, their magazines are, are basically to the point of being pornographic. But that's what we set up as standards. And we are constantly being bombarded. And it's not just our youth. It's, it's every person in here listening and every person listening to this message on the web is constantly being bombarded by this world to say, do this, say this, wear this, drink this, eat this, be this. Be happy if you can do that. And it's because we're slowly turning the lights off because we don't want to do what the Lord's asking us to do, we're now searching for light from something else. It's important that we witness with our lives. We witness with our lives. We witness by what we are, by who we are, what we say, what we type in Facebook, identifies us as followers of Christ. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit gives us power to live that life. The second power that I want to talk to you about is power to witness. Because in Acts 1.8, the passage that we started off with, says you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. This is not Pastor Mark. This is just the Word of God. One of the things that Jesus told us about the Spirit would do is empower us to share our faith. To boldly proclaim truth. You see, if you think about it, Peter was a very interesting character. Do you remember that the night that Peter was being, uh, that Jesus was being crucified, Peter was warming himself by a fire. Do you all remember the story? Yep. And one of this girl says to Peter, "You're one of his followers, right?" Do you all remember the story? And he he curses and denies Christ. But it's interesting then, as you read through Peter's life. The baptism of the Holy Spirit comes in the upper room and all of a sudden that same Peter who was scared by a schoolgirl in the dark, in a street, was now pointing a finger to 3,000 Jews preaching Christ to them. So what happened to the Peter that was scared by a schoolgirl to the Peter that is now preaching to Christ to 3,000 Jews? There was the baptism of the Holy Spirit and an empowering, a dunamis, a dynamite power came into his life. Do you understand? Because if you're scared by a schoolgirl, you are not going to go in front of 3,000 people that could stone you and start proclaiming Christ. Why don't you put yourself in that situation? If you read that verse, would you have stood up and would you have proclaimed Christ if you were in the midst of that mob? 
This was not people that came in for a, a great message and got to listen to worship and was thinking and had PowerPoints. and was, He was standing on a street yelling at them, telling them about Christ. And lives were saved. Girls, let's stop. It's distracting. So you've got to understand. You've got to understand the power of Christ in our lives to boldly proclaim, to witness. Do you know that 95%, 95% of SUVs that have been produced in America and have been brought in have never been off-road? <laughs> Think about this. 95% of SUVs have never been taken off-road. Why did we build it to be off-road if we knew we were never going to take it off-road? I mean, think about it. If you're driving from here to Las Colinas every day and you buy a four-wheel drive vehicle, are you thinking that someday you're just going to decide to jump off the interstate, go down an embankment over a few things, or what? And I'm telling you that an SUV that has never been taken off of the road is like a born-again Christian who never shares his faith. So what if I use that same statistics? 95% of born-again Christians never share their faith with a neighbor, a co-worker, or a family member. See, we, we, we kind of understood, yeah, we all see the SUVs that their tires have never gotten dirty. They were designed to do something. We just never chose to use that option. We never even chose to turn on one of those middle lights. Remember, Bill was going to... That co-worker is basically begging him to know why he has peace that passes understanding. And we choose not to turn on that light. So it's important that we understand. Because Acts 1.8 says, Then you will be my witnesses to testify me about Jerusalem, through Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the world. So if we're having problems following Christ... If we're having problems witnessing about Christ, we need to connect into the power. The third power point that I want to... Never mind, I didn't mean to say PowerPoint. But the third thing that I want to talk to you about is power to pray. Because Romans 8.26 says this, At the same time, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness. Because we don't know how to pray for what we need. But the Spirit intercedes along with our groans that cannot be expressed in words. I'm going to tell you, out of a general assumption, I think a lot of people have problems praying. I think if Sherry asked us, said, you know what, I think we're going to have an all-night prayer meeting. I don't know how many people would come because the first thing you'd think is, I don't think I could pray all night long. If we even said, we're just going to have a, a two-hour prayer meeting. One hour. One hour. <laughs> 30 minutes. Some of us would be thinking, 30 minutes? Really? Because, have you ever noticed this? When you decide that you're going to pray, you usually blurt out what you want to pray about. Remember, I, I jokingly said earlier, God, give me a good parking space. God, I, I, I just got a note that my manager wants to see me. Oh, God, please don't get me fired. That's not a 30-minute prayer, right? I mean, we're just pretty much, um, Lord, I, I need more money to get through this month. So I think that a lot of our prayers are very simple sentences. Right? Now, I'm going to tell you that I've been married for 22 years with Kristen, and I don't use simple sentences with Kristen. Okay? Food. I want food. Bed. I go to bed. 
You know? I mean, we have conversations. Because if I start speaking that way, even to the kids, well, sometimes I speak, no, okay? And, and, and there's no other conversation, right? But, but there are times for simple sentences and then there's times for conversation. Because I'm going to tell you, one of my three kids will ask, why is it no? Okay? And then we have a conversation. But see, a lot of times we go to God with simple sentence prayers. Right? Why sometimes? Why is this happening? Right? Have you ever had those very simple prayers? I'm not, and I'm not throwing any stones at you. I'm just saying I think that the body of Christ today is not effective prayer because all of a sudden we're having to go from simple sentences into a conversation. And I turned that light bulb off a long time ago. That light's been off 15 years. Man, when I first got saved, yeah, I was just talking to God about everything. And I, I hear Pastor Mark likes to go for walks and talk to God, but that's just, man, that's just freaky to me, okay? So I just ask God, you know, help me with this test. Give me a raise. Um, make that person love me. Um, help me fo- to not be late for work. Um, and, and God bless America. Amen. You see... That is not effective prayer. Because all of a sudden we're treating God as a vending machine. And we're trying to just put quarters in and pull little plugs and see what pops out of the bottom. Maybe somebody might get healed or maybe somebody might get delivered. The reason being is because we haven't plugged into the Holy Spirit. We haven't sought the Holy Spirit to really say, God, help me to pray and intercede. You see, and Sherry's working on a message about prayer, and I know that interceding is going to be a part of that, because when you intercede, you're not praying about yourself. You're praying about someone else. Do you understand? That event that happened yesterday, and and I think they're going to be live streaming it, if you'd like to see, it was called TheResourceUSA.com. If you visit that, it's called TheResourceUSA.com. You'll also read uh, Governor Perry's prayer. It was not about... Dear God, if I decide to run for president, please let me be president. That was not his prayer. In fact, there was no political prayer that I understand that was there. The point being, though, is it was praying for our state. It was praying for our leaders. It was praying for our nation. That's called interceding. Because when you intercede for others, it's not about you. Do you understand when when God puts somebody on your mind and you're praying about them and you haven't thought about them for quite a while, that's intercession. That becomes a very powerful prayer tool in the spirit world. And I'm not going to preach Sherry's message. So I'll stop right there. But it's important that we understand that if we as a body of believers are going to truly be followers of Christ, we have to get beyond simple sentence prayers. And we have to start getting into conversations with God. And we have to be quiet to also hear the response from God. I find that a lot of people are not comfortable with silence. Have you realized that? I mean, do you really think how much of your day is actually just in silence? Especially if you have kids in the house, two or three TVs going on, radios, CDs, MP3s, everything's happening. How much time do we really ever spend in silence? Or seek that? How quickly do we get bored in silence? How quickly does your mind change? You know, if I said, you know what, for the next five minutes, we're just going to seek God, we're going to be quiet. How many seconds do you think it would be until somebody's saying, do you think you really meant five minutes? Because 
I'm getting hungry. Food. Wow, food's good. Oh, I love food. Food. Chicken. No. Rose. Oh. All of a sudden, man, have you, has your mind ever done that? And if I stopped you and said, Elizabeth, what are you thinking about right now? She's like, chicken. How did you get to that? Well, it started with time. Then lunch. And then, yeah, I just, it was a paper trail all the way right through it. I'm not throwing any stones because we've all done this. There are times when we've said, you know what, for the next, just for the next half hour I'm going to see God and all of a sudden I'm thinking about, wow, that was really... Oh, no, God, I'm sorry, I've got to get focused back on you. What I'm saying is when we seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit and we walk with Christ and we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, our prayers become more effective because they're not as self-centered, they're not self-focused, they're not simple sentences. And all of a sudden we start praying and even groaning. And it's talking about groaning being a language that we don't even understand. There have been times that I didn't know what to say. Man, there have been times that I've received phone calls and people have shared something with me and I was totally devastated. And just say, there, there, isn't going to work. They're in a better place is not what they want to hear. And all of a sudden you're just... And I'm praying, I'm saying, God, give me me the word because my flesh word is going to be superficial and and weak. That's not what they want to hear. And I just start praying. And I start interceding. Even while I'm on the phone, I'm just interceding because the pain and the hurt is so deep. They're looking for true answers. They're not looking for cliches. Well, it's always darkest before the dawn. They could have got that from the, from the newspaper or fortune cookie. They're seeking God. They're calling you to ask you, would you help me seek God in this situation? And they don't want cliches from the body of Christ. Many Christians struggle in their prayer life and they find it difficult. The reason I think that they find it difficult is this. They've read in the Bible about prayers that were effective. And they're looking back thinking, I haven't had that effective prayer. So they're comparing themselves. We we compare, you probably compare yourself more than you think you compare yourself. We compare our yard to our neighbor's yard. I do. I'm like, man. And it's not a comparison. I'm going to tell you, if you've driven by my house, it's so brown. I mean, but I almost thought of green spray paint. But we do. We compare. We, we compare. We compare clothes. We compare cars. We compare jobs, titles, everything. We compare so much. And it's important that we understand that the stories that are in the Bible were people that were walking with God. Pursuing God, having a hunger for God, Amen. fasting after God, not driving around the Target parking lot looking for a parking space kind of prayers, seeking God's heart on situations, being open to that. And when our prayers don't compare to that, then we feel like failures. And what you will have is an attack of the enemy saying, See, your prayers are not effective. Your prayers didn't get any answers. That person didn't email you today. So see, you shouldn't have never prayed about it. That is what Satan's role is to do on your life. There are times you have to pray about a situation and walk away from it. God is not going to set the microwave oven just because you decided to pray about it that morning and say, God, by this afternoon, I want this to be resolved. His ways are not our ways. I wish I could tell you. I wish I could give you a three-point illustration on how you can get an effective answer within 60 minutes after it leaves your precious little lips. It's not going to happen. But I'm going to tell you that the more you spend time with God and the more you become aligned with God, you're not going to be making those silly prayers. 
And all of a sudden, those prayers, you're going to start seeing answers because you're aligning up with God instead of asking God to align up with you. Maybe God doesn't want you to go into Target in the first place. That's why a parking space is not opening up. Has that ever entered into your mind? No. I want to go to Target. Well, maybe God does. Maybe God's protecting you from something in there. Oh, I just felt that was God's will for me to go to Target. A space didn't open. I prayed, and now I'm turning my back on God because the space did not open up, Pastor Mark. Unfortunately, that's happening in the body of Christ today. We're putting conditions. And when God doesn't meet those conditions, then all of a sudden we blame. 1 Corinthians 14.2 tells us this. It says, when a person speaks in another language, he doesn't speak to people but to God. And no one understands him, and his spirit is speaking mysteries. See, we've taken that, and we've added our own doctrine, our own philosophy, our own thoughts, our own theories, called it crazy. We've turned that light bulb off on our light. I'm just reading you the scriptures. I'm reading you passages. They're in your Bible, I promise. Jude, one, Jude verse 20, because there's only one chapter in Jude, says, Dear friends, use your most holy faith to grow. Pray with the Holy Spirit's help. My last point that I want to go through, and then I will dismiss, is power to have signs follow. Power to have signs follow. Matthew 16, verses 15 and 17 tells us this. Then Jesus said to them, Wherever you go in the world, tell everyone... Hold on a second. I need a tissue. Then Jesus said to them, So wherever you go in the world, tell everyone the good news. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Verse 17, These are the miraculous signs that will accompany believers. They will use power and authority of my name to force out demons of the people, and they will speak in new tongues. Now I want to tell you that the passage before this talks about how they can handle snakes and not be bitten, how they can drink poison and, and not die. But I want you to take this in consideration. They were talking about when you're out doing the will of God, you are immune to the things of this world. I believe that when Pay's apprentices are in those countries, they are immune. When we take the Holy Spirit and turn it into a sideshow and say, look what I can do, you are testing God. And that is not... Christ never tested and never put on a sideshow in His whole entire ministry. And yet we have religions that have gone out there and said, look, I can do this, I can do this. That is not what that scripture was meant. When Paul was stranded on the island of Patmos and he was bitten by a snake and everybody gathered around because that was going to be that night's entertainment to see him swell up like a marshmallow and die. He didn't. Why? Because God had a plan and was using Paul to accomplish something. That's what that passage is meaning. But this passage is also saying that when we see and follow Christ, we're going to see miraculous signs. The power to have signs to follow us is really the power to have faith. To have faith. Simple people can do this. See, there are, there's no such thing, there's, this is never mentioned in the Bible, that there are super Christians. It's not in there. Okay? There's no super Christians. There's no simple Christians. It's just people who have faith. People who have faith. Peter was a fisherman. Matthew was a tax collector. 
Smith Wigglesworth. Love, if you ever get a chance to look up Smith Wigglesworth and his healing ministry. He was a plumber. Miraculous things that God did through these people's lives. Why? Because they just chose to turn on every light on their lamp. They plugged into the Holy Spirit and they said, I want everything that God has for me. And I don't care what this world is saying. I don't care if the world's turning off the lights. I want every one of these lights on. And I want God more than I want anything in this world. And that's when you start following the power. Because you'll realize as you read through the passages, the majority of the Holy Spirit's work was done outside the four walls of the church. Okay? It wasn't talking about bringing everyone in here and seeing that they can experience God. It was you taking God out to them and seeing an experience in your life, in their world. That's what the body of Christ should be doing today. Instead of building bigger buildings and having great speakers, and there's nothing wrong with that, but are we going out and taking God out into our world? That's the important thing. To open our life to the Spirit of God. To open our lives to the power of God. But I'm going to tell you that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is no guarantee that you will be like Jesus. Because you have the right to turn off any light in your life that you want to. And He will never force you to turn that light back on. You may have a gift of prophecy where where you get prophetic words. But the moment you choose to turn that gift off, it will cease to flow through you. You can have a healing ministry. Man, that just that as you walk into a room and you can pray and believe and see miraculous healings. And that's what I truly believe that the body of Christ is about to start seeing. Miraculous healings happening in the body of Christ again. But if that is a ministry that flows through you and you decide to turn that light off, or you choose that you can't be healed, then it's your lack of faith that will not bring that healing. Do you understand? We all have lights that we can turn on and off on God's lampstand. And fortunately, some of us are as dark as that lamp right now. We look like a Christian, we look like a lamp, but there's no lights on. So it's up to us to receive that gift, to seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit. To want to be more like Christ than we've ever been in our lives. And really to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit is really a childlike faith. Because the Bible has promised it to us. The passages said that it is ours. And it's a very valuable gift that is meant for you. If you want to plug into that power. If you're sick and tired of living life the way it has been. If everything in your life has been such below standards... And you read a passage that says that we're to be the head and not the tail. And right now you feel more like the tail than anything else. You know, it's amazing. I read some people's tattoos. I mean, if they're standing in line in front of you and it's tattooed all across their back, I'm going to read it. And unfortunately, what I find is that before the tattoo ever went on their body, it was in their mind. Have you ever read of a tattoo that says, Born to Lose? It's a very popular tattoo. Born to Lose. But do you know, before that went on their back, their arm, their leg, their thigh, wherever, it was in their mind. It was a condition. That was a statement. I just feel like I'm born to lose. There is hopelessness there. There is no peace. There is no confidence. And they are searching for what you have to share. So it's important that we start being the body of Christ. 
not just inside this studio, but as we go out, start being the body of Christ to our neighbors, our co-workers, our family members, to people who don't like you. Now I know this might be hard to believe, but there may be somebody on Facebook who doesn't like you. Could you start praying for that person? Could you start sharing love to that person? Oh, I don't even talk to that person. Then how different are you than anyone else in the world? I want to open up an opportunity and lead you in a very simple prayer that I lead you in every week. But this prayer could be a defining moment in your life. Because before you seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the power that I've talked about that can be yours as a believer, you first have to surrender your life to Christ and say, I want you as my God and my Savior and my Lord. And I am tired of trying to run my own life. I'm tired of trying to make big decisions. So I'd like to lead you all in a very, very simple prayer. And I'd love for everybody to say this. And if you said this today for the very first time, I'd love for you to tell somebody, today I decided to make Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior. Not because I'm scared of when I die, but because I'm sick and tired of living this life the way I'm living it right now. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, would you please pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose from the grave to give me life. Please forgive me. Change my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. I now confess Jesus Christ as my Savior and I'm saved. Amen. Now I've talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I've talked about an empowering in your life. And if you have never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, if, you, if this is still Greek to you, you're still trying to figure out what all these passages are, I would love to give you some scriptures that I'd like for you to start looking up. I'd like for you to start praying about it. Start saying, God, I know there's more. There's more than what I have right now. I need that power to get through life, to make right decisions, to say the right thing, even though inside of me, I know I can't. And I'd love for you to start praying and asking for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's a free gift. You don't have to go through three days of, of, of fasting and seeking and deliverance. If you seek God, He'll give it to you. It's a very simple process. The body of Christ is complicated, but it's a very simple process. But it comes from a hungry heart that is seeking Him more than anything in this world. I'd like to say a blessing over y'all as we dismiss so if we could stand. And according to God's word, may the Lord bless you and protect you. And may the Lord smile upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord show you His favor and give you His peace. So go in His peace. In Jesus' name, amen.